Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? This is the CFBDynasty.com podcast. My name is Matt Knowles, as always, joined by the founder and the creator, Brian McElfish. And underneath him, don't call him number one. You can always call him number two. It's Doug Gravely. Today, we're going to be talking about the top 500 overall wide receiver seasons of all time. We're going to basically touch on a few of the, the ones that are down the list. We're going to go over the top 25. One of the great things about this list, unlike quarterbacks and, and running backs, wide receivers are a ton of guys that if you're not really, really, really in-depth with, uh, with the college game, you're going to have no idea who a lot of these guys are because one thing you're going to find out is the college game does not translate over to the, to the pro game in a lot of ways. Um, BMAC, Doug, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this list? Oh, man, there's just so many people that I don't know. So many people I've never heard of. Um, but I guess that's what makes this fun is I get to look into these guys a little bit and figure out who they are. But there were just so many people that I'm like, who in the world is that? What about you, BMAC? So uh, I guess one of the most surprising things kind of uh, looking at this list here um, of course, I'm looking for players that I saw as, uh, you know, great, great NFL players too, but tight ends make this list also. And then, and, and at number 39, so he doesn't make the list of who we're going to talk about, but seeing, uh, this tight end who just crushed it early on in our CFB dynasty, uh, you know, home league was so incredible. His stats are, are pretty incredible. Pretty awesome. And and as a tight end, to come in at number 39, that's pretty awesome. All right. So before we get to the list, I'm going to ask a quick question. Just got done uh, as a guest at uh, Collective Con Jacksonville this past weekend. was a great show, fourth year in a row that I've been a guest up at that show. When you're at a Comic-Con, uh, people are going to be dressed up. We have a buddy of ours, Blake Morgan, who just went to Planet Comic-Con in Kansas City. Big Kansas City fan. The dude is a dead ringer for Andy Reid uh, if Andy Reid was like 20 years younger. So I'm going to pose the question to BMAC and to Doug. So uh, if you had to go to a Comic-Con and you had to dress up as somebody in sports, who would you be and why? Doug, I'm throwing it to you first. So I would be uh, Ted Lasso from the, the TV show, man. It's not like a, a real sports face, but I just love that TV show. Man, it makes you, makes you laugh, makes you cry, uh, makes you angry. And I feel like I can get those emotions out of anybody. So I would probably be uh, – Ted Lasso. You're telling me Ted Lasso is not real? Mixing it to say Easter Bunny's not real. Hey, I wish everybody did press conferences like Ted Lasso. That's all I can say. What about you, BMAC? Who would you dress up as? So it didn't take me long in my my younger years to just despise dressing up for Halloween. And so that's that's basically all I did was I, I would dress up as just some random Gators coach by putting on a hat and putting on like a jacket or a, a polo. And uh, so I would go as any random fan. I, I'm, I've always been more boring than you, Matt, in that regard. So, uh, no so basically, so we're going to so we're going to say that you're Steve Spurrier. Sure. Yeah. 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 My. Right. Uh, my childhood hero. There you go. What All about right. you, Matt? Uh, I always go and dress up as myself, but I, I don't even think about who I would <laughs> dress up as otherwise. Um, 
Yeah, man, I don't the even Andy know. Reed baby from the playoffs like a couple years ago <laughs> or, or the regular season was hilarious. Uh, that was yeah. good. I always dress I always dress up as myself, which is amazing because like uh, if you've seen any of the books that we do, one of the characters looks just like me, and it's not because it's me, but because the very first artist I said, Hey, I did the cosplay and I said, This is what we want the character to look like, and he drew him to look so much like me. I knew right then I'm like, This is gonna make Comic Cons easy for the rest of my life. <laughs> because if I just dress up like me, I'm going to be looking like my books. And that's yep, literally what go. happens. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I might I might go dressed up as BMAC. You know what I'm saying? I might put on a, hey. a basketball jersey, number three. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I might go in there and then knock down a few threes on whatever basketball hoop they have in there. That might be what I do. He's there definitely a sports face. Definitely a sports face, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so let's get back to the topic of the day. We got the top 500 list. We're going to go through the top 25 BMAC for those that have not uh, watched the, the first two shows in this series, let them know how this data was derived, uh, how far back we go and what the criteria is used to be able to rank who is actually going to be on this list. Yeah. Um, all right. So it really just started with a, a thought on some random weekend. And then I spent the whole weekend collecting data um, and kind of just uh writing formulas or whatever to calculate fantasy stats. So we go back, this list is not technically all the time. It goes currently from 1980 all the way to the present day. And I took the top hundred receivers from every season, hundred ish, some of them a little bit more, and then um, rank them based on the, the data. So because there's a huge variance in games, yeah, we didn't do total fantasy points. We do have that metric in the data. So you can see it and re-rank it, sort it, however you want there. It's currently ranked based on how many fantasy points per game, but there's a minimum threshold. So we didn't want someone that just balled out for five games and then got hurt um, make it on this list. So I think the minimum game threshold, I can't remember what it is, like eight or nine. And then um, fantasy points per game is there. So some incredible seasons and uh let's get to it all right so be back why don't you go ahead and pull up the list uh start about uh about 30 that way we can uh we don't have to show off anybody in our top 25 just yet all right so one of the things you guys are going to notice when you look at this list unless you're somebody that is a deep dive and you've been playing college fantasy for a long time like bmac and myself there's going to be a lot of names on this list that you're just going to be like who because <laughs> the wide receiver game in college does not translate to the pros. Like we said at the beginning, um, there's a lot of times where wide receivers are running wide, wide, wide open in college playing against inferior secondaries. And uh, guys can put up incredible numbers in college, but they just cannot latch on in the pros in any way, because in the pros, um, you know, being completely covered is open where in college you can have, you can be running, you know, patterns to be five, 10 yards open on every single play. Um, mm -hmm. so uh, a couple guys that did not make the list names that you might, uh, you know, Brian already mentioned at 39, you got James Casey from rice. Um, be back. Not sure if you want to say anything more about him. Well, 111 catches. I remember Mike Davis had him in our league and it was like a total unfair advantage. If you can land a tight end, that's putting up numbers that rank with, you know, you think about like, the season um, that let's say here, let me scroll through the list a little bit. Like Tank Dell is the number one receiver from this past year. 
And James Casey crushed that season as a tight end. Um, so, yeah, it's just nuts. Anyways, 111 catches, 1,300 uh, receiving yards, uh, 13 touchdowns catching, and then uh, 241 rushing yards and six more touchdowns on the ground. 25 fantasy points per game as a tight end. Um, that, it just always is is shocking. Um, and it's kind of around that era where after that, you had Florida using Andre or not Andre Reed. That's the old Bills receiver, uh, Jordan Reed, a uh, uh, tight end slash quarterback. And then uh, Burton did the same stuff at Florida. And then you had Tannehill at Texas A&M. But Casey was the one who really started that trend. I feel like maybe not quite started it, but he was the one that I, I most remember from our early days in the, the fantasy league. This was a 2008 season at Rice. So you look up there at 37, you got Zay Jones, who's finally starting to do something in the pros. It took him forever. He languished on the bench and uh, didn't really do much at all after that huge season at East Carolina in 2016. Just barely missed the list. Um, Corey Coleman from Baylor, another guy that had a great Killer. season, just completely disappeared, did not do anything in the pros. But then you scroll up to number 34 and you got my boy Torrey Holt from NC State. Um, that was back when NC State wasn't a great program, but they had some great guys like Torrey Holt and um, and Philip Rivers. And Torrey Holt was uh, lighting up the ACC at that time. Josh Doxson at 32 from TCU, a guy that everybody thought was going to be a baller in the pros and has completely just you know completely disappeared. Uh, pretty much of a disappointment once he got out of, off the TCU's team. Um, Andy Isabella at 29 is a uh, floating around practice squads and, and the bottom half of uh, depth charts, but he's still in the pros. Um, Tavon Austin, a guy that was unbelievable at, uh, at West Virginia at 28. Um, uh, and then you go to number 27. This was the first one. If you were like, what's something that surprises you on the list? Again, we were talking about the top 25, but here's some things that are really surprising. Jarrah Stearns from Western Kentucky. Not a name that many people know outside of the deep fantasy football realm, but you should know. Jarrah Stearns, two years ago in college, 150 receptions, 1,902 yards. That's a dude that if he was a running back, he would have probably been a top five pick in the NFL draft because you don't put up running back numbers, 1,902 yards by accident. But Western Kentucky, a school that was just throwing the ball around like there, like, like there was no business, he got 1,902 yards and is basically, uh, basically invisible when it comes to the pro ranks. Uh, BMAC, you anybody else you want to talk about outside the top 25 before we get into those those top 25 names? I've got some as we go through the questions that we have for the for the show, but um, nobody else really uh, specifically. But also, if you look at what we did last week with running backs, so around the same area here, it's it's just a different, a little bit different points per game. So it's about a five points per game advantage for running backs, uh, four. Uh, specifically, I guess. Um, so you got top running backs in the you know 26, 27 range. They're averaging a little 30, 30, 31 points a game. Uh, so receivers are a little bit less. But yeah, I'm ready to get to uh, get to it. All right, so let's show off the next five, group of five, 21 through 25. So at 25, right. you got gold. 25 Golden Tate from Notre Dame. B Mac, I know that's a guy that you you had a. 
your eyes on a lot. Let's talk a little bit about Golden Tate. So I had um, Michael Floyd back in the day, and I think he makes it on the very bottom of this list. Um, but yeah, Tate's been a really good player for, for a while and, and was solid in the NFL better than I thought he would be. But um, <clears throat> he makes the list. Yeah, Richie James, of course, at Middle Tennessee State. Um, really yeah, well-known, I feel like, if, if you're in fantasy. Um, yeah, he's boun- bouncing around on practice squads. He's been on the 49ers, you know, up and back and back and forth from the practice squad to the, to the regular roster. Yeah, 105 catches that two, uh, 2016 year, 1,600 yards, 12 touchdowns, another 340 on the ground and four more touchdowns on the ground. So uh, he, he was great and uh, super consistent as a collegiate player. Doug, up next, a couple of names that you're probably familiar with. Nate Burleson at Nevada, Larry Fitzgerald at Pitt. You've heard of this guy, Larry yep. Fitzgerald, have you not? I have heard of Larry Fitzgerald for sure. <laughs> um, man, he was just one that was known for just running great routes. He had some of the best hands I've ever seen, um, and he was smart, like just a really smart receiver. Like it was one of those things that it was like he knew – what play was going to be called before it was called kind of, you know, he just, he just always seemed to be there for his quarterback to throw to. I mean, he was just, he was great. Loved watching him. Like I said, some of the best hands I've ever seen. So Larry Fitzgerald, one of the few guys that actually lived up to the hype coming out of college to be able to get into this top of this list. And then Rashard Higgins at Colorado state. When Rashard Higgins was at Colorado state, they were throwing the ball all over the place. I I'm pretty sure that, uh, and he helped lead a couple of guys to uh, college fantasy championships uh, with that ridiculous 96 catches, but 1,750 yards receiving. That is a ridiculous uh, yards per catch average right there. And we can't just pass by Nate Burleson there. Like one of the best guys on TV. He's so good. Um, he is good. Me. Super good. All right, let's, let's roll up to uh, 16 through 20. Elijah Moore at 20 for Ole Miss. Um, great season. He's still waiting to get his turn, um, basically as a as a lead target in the NFL. But 86 catches, 1,190 yards, eight touchdowns. And uh, just think about the transition of Ole Miss from 2020 to current, where now they're pushing out some of the top fantasy running backs with one of the best Power 5 rushing attacks in the country. Um how about 19, Matt? What do you remember about Ashley Lalee? I can tell you right now, Hawaii, not as much now because you've had a lot of the uh, a lot of attrition and people transferring out of Hawaii. But for decades, Hawaii was just nonstop with the run and shoot. June Jones offense was just passing the ball like you couldn't you couldn't believe. I mean, everybody you go into a college draft and um, Everybody, it didn't matter if it was the fifth wide receiver on Hawaii. Those guys were going to get drafted because you didn't know what guy was going to blow up. Um, Lily is a little bit prior to when we started doing um, CFB Dynasty, but um, I still remember the name um, and remember that he was one of those guys that you had on your radar and just helped you to, hey, when we start doing this very first draft, we need to make sure that we get some, uh, some Hawaii wide receivers on our team. Yeah, actually, do you want to skip up real quick to the – best like the wide receiver you rankings was how Absolutely. many 
teams, this is a good little transition. So if you scroll up on the on the page a little bit here, here's the top ten schools. What do you think about this, Matt? So uh, I was very, I, I was not surprised at all to see Texas Tech, Hawaii, and Houston as three of the top four schools. Those are are uh, are schools that are known for putting out just incredible wide receivers, passing the ball all over the place. You're talking about you know if you go back to the quarterback show. We talked about how how Houston and Texas Tech have always put out just absolutely insane video game numbers at the quarterback position. Um, it is very surprising to see Florida at number six, but I am I am most surprised to see Western Michigan and Louisiana Tech in the top ten. Um, you don't think? I mean, you might they might have a season here or there where it's, or a school would do good and they might jump up. I know Bowling Green had a couple of years where they were throwing the ball all over the place, but to consistently over a 40-year span have seen Western Michigan and Louisiana Tech put guys on this list and then go, who did they really, did any of these guys actually make it into the pros? I think maybe one Louisiana Tech guy actually did something worthwhile, but most of it was was a cap. You do great in college and then you're done. <laughs> what do you what do you think? What do you what do you guys think about these lists? So like USC and Florida sitting there uh, tied with 12 of the top 500 seasons, uh, it's not so surprising to me because Florida, well, I guess if you're 20 years old, uh, it's yes. super surprising to you. But, um, you know, they were one of the the first teams to pass the ball around a lot in the <clears throat> SEC, uh, where Spurrier kind of changed the game for for the SEC back in the 90s. So um, it's not super surprising in some of the, the, the names on the list. Uh, just take me back to childhood, and uh, it's it's great to see Oklahoma State being there uh, at seven. Um, Gundy, what he's done there has been incredible, and uh, he's still still there churning out some good fantasy, uh, you know, running backs, receivers for us, quarterbacks. It's uh, – been a great run for him there at Oklahoma State and then Western Michigan at 10 they've been a really consistent like group of five type of team and then Purdue uh ninth Louisiana Tech eighth or 10th sorry with eight seasons in our top 500 so good stuff anything stand out to you there Doug uh I was just going to hit a little bit on like you already mentioned it you know Florida if you're looking at Florida nowadays it's surprising that they're on there you know um, but if you watch Florida back when they had, you know, some of the, the greats that we'll talk about, you know, later on that we all liked to watch, it's not surprising. But there's just a lot of teams that their their game has just changed around, you know, from passing to running or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So back to the tops or 16 through 20, uh, we uh, hit on the Lee. So look at Jordan White at 18. We just talked about Western Michigan. Uh, in 2011, he had the third highest um, yards uh, overall on our list at 1,911 yards receiving, which is just incredible. Um, but that's also part of where you get Maction from. Uh, you know, you, you talk about the, the, your Tuesday and Wednesday night games because you know, the Mac is throwing the ball all over the place, even all the way back to 2011. Uh, Jordan White, you know, coming close to hitting 2,000 yards receiving, which is incredible. Um, Brandon Cooks. Uh, I, Brandon Cooks is probably the most attempted to be traded wide receiver in the history of the world. If you are in a league uh, with our boy Mike Dillingham, uh, he always tries to include Brandon Cooks in a trade. It doesn't matter what the trade is. I think one year he tried to trade me Brandon Cooks 15 times. 
Um, and uh, he was he was successful zero. Um, but yeah, if you're in a league with Mike Dillingham, um, you've probably had a trade where he was trying to get you Brandon Cooks. Um, but 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 Brandon Cooks back in the day, um, he was he was incredible at uh, Oregon State, and he's done some stuff in the pros. But um, he he definitely has not been at the same level in the pros as he was back in the day at Oregon State. Um, and then the last one in the in, in the sixteen to twenty group, you got Brian Reeves from Nevada, another school that is you'll see the name a lot. Uh, back in nineteen ninety three, um, another guy that that didn't really do anything outside of college, but he had um, ten games, ninety one receptions, thirteen hundred and sixty two yards. Anything else you guys want to say about the group of sixteen to twenty before we move on to eleven through fifteen? Nope. No, let's do it. All right, eleven through fifteen's got a bunch of names that are that are going to be super fun here. So, uh, Stedman Bailey at fifteen, a guy that made it into the pros, didn't really do much in the pros, but still had an incredible season. Um, uh, in uh, here, let in, me let me ask you a question, Matt. So, how hard is it here to take someone like Stedman Bailey? Uh, uh, in like a Devi league where, you know, he's produced so well for you in, um, in college, how hard is it to trade a guy like that when he's going on to your NFL team? You know, obviously, uh, hindsight being, you know, 2020, this, it would be ideal to trade him there. That's the height of his value. Probably. What do you, how hard is it to do that for you? Oh, I think it's incredibly hard. And I think you're asking the right guy that question because last year I had what five guys that were productive, very good productive guys on my college team that all went to the pros. And some of them didn't even, weren't even able to, to latch on with a free agent contract. They didn't even make it into a camp. Some of them, I think the highest, I think the highest I had was a, a guy that was drafted in the, in the maybe I had one guy in the first round that was injured. And I think after that, it was a fifth round receiver. And um, it's hard when you because because you, you feel like you have a loyalty to these guys that have done so good for you, know what they can do. Uh, it's really difficult, I guess. I think I've got to probably do a better job. So, so Doug, you might have a couple of trade offers coming your way when we get off of the show, uh, because I'm I'm known for having guys that go onto my pro team and don't do squat. I mean, it doesn't mean I have don't have guys that are that aren't going to be really good, but it's hard to tell who the guy that's going to be that's going to be the stud and the guy that's going to be the dud. Yeah, it, send, it is send your hard. trade offers my way, guys. Send them my way. <laughs> Well, NFL GMs struggle with this kind of stuff too, because you could have, you know, kind of probably done the same thing with the guy who's number twelve on the list, and you'd have been pretty disappointed if you did that. Right. Speaking about speaking about on the list, number fourteen, Aaron Turner. He snuck in the list. He should not be on this list. Look at him from an FCS school jumping in here <laughs> and uh, getting on the list. Aaron Turner. You know, uh, I don't even know what the heck you're doing on this list, but get your heck out of here, man. Um, <laughs> So then Eugene Baker, Kent State, 1997, 103 uh, receptions, 1,549 yards. Then, then we get to get to some good names. Devontae Adams, my boy from Fresno State. Um, I've been a fan of Devontae Adams from, from his freshman year in college. Um, back in the day, him and, uh, and uh, Derek Carr, just an unbelievable combination. Wish they would have been able to, to have the same success um, at the Raiders and the pros. But uh, Devontae Adams back in that season, in, uh, in 2013, 131 receptions, 1,719 yards, 24 uh, touchdowns. Devontae Adams is a guy that probably is never going to see another roster um, in our league. He was on my team in college, probably going to just ride with him until he gets onto my team's Hall of Fame um, in the CFB Dynasty Home League because 
He's just always been a good, incredible receiver. Why, why would I trade a guy that's been loyal to me? Yeah, I'm going to build mm-hmm. that on the site, the Hall of Fame. That'll be good. I um, be good. have some notes on that. Anyways, does it get any better in fantasy when you've got that elite quarterback wide receiver stack? Um, oh, you know, it's, it's having a quarterback and receiver on the same team. Yeah, I don't think it gets any better than that. It's incredible. And I had uh, Devontae and Derek Carr in college together. So you're talking about them throwing all over, you know, Mountain West uh, secondaries that just, you know, didn't have a clue. I mean, that was that was such an incredible combination. I mean, did it give me a championship? Let's not talk about that. But uh, <laughs> it still was fun to watch them throw the ball all over the place. BMAC, I know you got some love for the guy at number 11. Talk about number 11. Yeah, man. Randy Moss from Marshall. Um, his 1997 season. 96 catches, 1,800 yards, and a cool 26 touchdowns. Uh, Good for 29.7 fantasy points a game. One of the best wide receivers of all time. Uh, Be shocked if he's not in your top two. Honestly, uh, I would have to question Mm -hmm. everything about you at that point if he's not in your top two all time for the NFL. But um, he was just uh, a star. Uh, Chad Pennington, wait. Yeah, Chad Pennington yeah. was his college quarterback. Yep. yep. Uh, and he played high school basketball with uh, Jason Williams, who was a Florida boy. Um, and uh, Moss was great at basketball, too. I got to watch him in a in a local, like, uh, celebrity uh, basketball game here in Ocala uh, when he was here for uh, <clears throat> his NFL quarterback, or one of them. Uh, Dante Culpepper threw a little game, had Edger and James here in Ocala, a little you know, central Florida town, and it, it was a blast seeing Randy Moss roll up in this massive black bus. And uh, But, yeah, what an incredible, incredible talent. Like, just just the way he would fly down the field paired with his, you know, jumping ability, just ridiculous. And Moss, there was a lot of controversy around him when he, was, uh, when he went to Marshall because uh, he was with another Power 5 school. There was a lot of negative talk about Randy Moss then. But I remember watching Moss back in that uh, back in that era. I, I very, remember very clearly um, them in uh, playing at Marshall, and it was a completely snowed over field. And one of those kind of games where you would expect to be nothing but running because the field had so much snow on it. And I remember the Pennington-DeMoss combination in that game just went absolutely, absolutely ape. And um, I knew right then, I'm like, this guy is going to be, this guy is the real deal. He is going to um, become one of the best of all time. And, and he showed that he was absolutely one of the best of all time. And he was supposed to be a Florida State. That would have been uh, yep. wild watching him play uh, in that offense, you know, with all the weapons that they had at FSU at the time would have been nuts. But yeah, he just, he killed it at Marshall. Anyways, I'm going to roll on up. Just roll up to number 10. Number 10, Freddie Barnes from Bowling Green in the MAC. Uh, that was back when Bowling Green was actually putting out some uh, putting out some talent. Um, that, that was uh, talked about last week when uh, I had my running back situation where I took the wrong player. I actually took a Bowling Green quarterback instead of my running back from UTEP. Cost me a championship, and I'll never live that down for the rest of my days. But uh, Freddie Barnes, 2,009, 155 receptions, 1,770 yards. Doug, wouldn't you love to have a guy like that on your team in the 2023 season? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's a lot of catches, dude. 155 <laughs> catches in one year is a lot. The crazy thing about it, and I, I'm going to go back to number 11 real fast, is 
if you look at the numbers and the production in 96 receptions compared to 155, like Randy Moss averaged 19 yards a catch. That means Freddie Barnes averaged like 11. But <laughs> 11 yards a catch is still great when you're catching it 155 times. Like absolutely the way the way that our league is set up when we get points for each and all that and most and I would hope you know most leagues are. But I mean that's a lot of points you're getting. For a lot of catches, like. By the way, this this really matters when you're talking about Freddie Barnes or Devonte Adams, who had 100, 131 catches. Uh, this is a half point PPR. So if this was full point PPR, uh, Barnes would be even higher on this list. And, and I think I think too that, that to continue on with your thought there, Doug, that just also shows between 1997 and 2009 how much the college game offenses have changed. Where um, uh, in 1997 you weren't seeing a lot of uh, bubble screens. And uh, things where it was just just get the ball in the wide receivers' hands and let them act like they're a running back. And right. I think that when uh, when you got to 2009, that was a lot of uh, the the offense where you're going to see a lot of bubble screens, a lot of just get the ball in the wide receivers' hands, one or two yards away from the line of scrimmage, and treat it like it's just an extended part of the running game. So I think yep. that that's that's really what you can see in the difference between 10 and 11. But if we uh, if we roll up to number nine, another guy that is still on my uh, that was a college to pro guy for me that is probably not ever going to go anywhere uh, <laughs> is that the next Devonte on the list, Devonte Smith. Um, uh, if you go back to uh, the, um, yeah, I had the, to coax you to bring him off your practice squad this year. Man, you didn't have to coax me. It was one game, man. I, I got a lot of wide receivers, man. It was one game. But uh, Devonte Smith. Um, Here's the guy we talked about how Alabama, um, it's a school that um, just produces wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers like nobody's business up until last year. And um, Devontae Smith was one of those that if you were able to get your hands on Devontae Smith prior to him becoming the starter, prior to him becoming one of the top two guys, you're probably sitting pretty now, which is exactly what I was able to do. Got Devontae, graduated up onto my pro team. Again, I don't see him going anywhere. I see him going to be just like Devontae Adams. He's going to hang around, probably become a part of my uh, my my college to pro Hall of Fame. 117 yards, 1856, uh, 117 receptions, 1856 yards. Was also the uh, recipient of the Tua um, long touchdown to win the national championship after Jalen Hurts was benched in the national championship game. So Devontae Smith was was a part of history in that game as well. For real though, Matt, like. Just an aside here, you know, you've talked about Devontae Adams, Devonta Smith. You've got Mahomes at quarterback. Zay Jones is coming on at receiver. You've got Jamison Williams, who's going to be elite. Super um, good. And Austin Eckler was the number one fantasy running back yet again last year. Um, you got to start coming up for some rings here. I, you just need yeah. that. Just, extra running back or two yep. and and maybe a, a tight end last year Matt last likes. year last year was painful man i i uh i had one game where i i hiccuped and that was the semifinals. if i would have made it to the, that was my hiccup game if i would have gotten past that game i looked at the scores i would have been i think the number one guy in championship week so yep. my team mm, just definitely wasn't in that me week. yep definitely wasn't me my team hiccuped in that in that semi yep mm. Just need a, that second running back. I, th- I feel like sounds like we might be talking think, after the show. I think I think I'm getting it, depending on where my running backs went this offseason, buddy. <laughs> All right, back to the list here. So number eight, Jalen Darden, North Texas. Number seven, 
Michael Crabtree, obviously great, great, great 20, receiver. Uh, 2007 season. Yeah, he he's the first one to hit that 30 mark in points per game, fantasy points per game with a half PPR. So um, 30.4 for Crabtree in 07. And then Troy Edwards from Louisiana Tech. Um, and this was 1997, 102 catches, 1,700 yards, 13 touchdowns, and three more on the ground. I believe Troy Edwards had a, had an okay career. He was up with the, with the Steelers. Uh, yep. But uh, yep. definitely wasn't somebody that uh, that put up those kind of numbers. But at least he was in. He was a serviceable receiver for the 49ers for a little bit. I mean, for the Steelers for a little mm-hmm. bit. Yep. All right. So let's go. Let's go to number Justin five. Blackman. Top five. Do you want to take him there, Doug? Justin Blackman at five. Oh man, I've got good and bad memories about this guy. Um, <laughs> in college, obviously, I mean, he was great. He had two great years in college. Um, and you know, it says here 111 catches, 1782 yards and 20 touchdowns. And he added a touchdown on the ground, but he was one of those guys in college that, I mean, he athletically, he was a athletic freak, you know, built like a house, you know, for a receiver, um, everything you would want. And then (laughs) me being a trusty Jags fan, I was super excited. And then the guy just couldn't get out of his own way and make bad decisions, you know. Um, and But as far as playing goes, even when he was on the field in the pros, he was great. Just couldn't stay out of his way. But I, I, I liked watching Justin Blackman play a lot. He was he was an incredible receiver. All right, so we're going to do number four. four. Does yep. anyone know Alex Van Dyke, Nevada, 1995? I saw 95. I think you can scroll up and hit three and four together because uh, you got two guys, both from Nevada, two guys that really, you know, I don't think that those two, those names, I mean, back in the day, Nevada, the big West, that was, that was still FCS at that time. The big West was not even in, was not even in the FBS ranks, but um, you know, we got them on here cheating on this list. Nevada's cheating on the list. Mm. Trevor Inslee at three, the only guy with over 2,000 yards in a season that makes our list. That is an incredible amount, of, incredible amount. Obviously, back at this time, there wasn't even college fantasy football. There wasn't you even college expect, fantasy football. You would expect another number, though, with the receiving yards like that. You know, you would expect his touchdown numbers to be huge. It's just crazy to me that it's only 13. So this just goes to show that um, – even back in that time, this is why Nevada is, is so high on the uh, on the, the overall ranks as well. Uh, Nevada just puts a lot of guys onto this list, but did they do anything once they got out of there, out of Nevada? No, they did not. Um, up to number so two. Yep. Up, up to number two, we go to uh, Manny Hazard from Houston. Uh, 142 yards, 1,689, or 142 catches. receptions, 1,689 yep. yards. If I remember correctly, I feel like Manny Hazard was there when David Klingler was there, which we talked about earlier that Klingler was one of the, one of the biggest reaches that did not uh, Wasn't pan that out Andre Ware's season. Was that was that what it was? Was that I Andre think, Ware? Um, let me double check that for you. Let's, let's put it this way. Whether it's Andre Ware or whether it is David Klingler, there are two quarterbacks that played it's at Ware. Houston that, yeah. did, that did absolutely nothing in the pros. So, again, this is why when you get to Case Keenum and you get to Patrick Mahomes, why everybody was very nervous about them translating their game from college to pro 
because you've got tons and tons of guys back in that in in that era that um, just never were able to translate that incredible college game over into the pros. Yeah, so, that was uh, Ware's Heisman year. So okay, okay, thirty three point eight. That might be the the best quarterback receiver fantasy stack that we have on this list um Mm -hmm. but uh that could be challenged um i'm sure so number one give it to you matt 39 this is another one that like dwarfs number two just like the running backs it's crazy and it's incredible troy edwards from louisiana tech again we talked about l tech being up on the uh, the top 10 list this is probably why you got troy edwards from louisiana tech putting two in the top six and if you take out those big West things, you got two in the top four. Yep. For uh, for Louisiana Tech, 140 receptions, 1996 yards. So you're talking about over the course of 1997 and 1998, 242 receptions, and 3,700 yards receiving, and 40 touchdowns receiving for Troy Edwards. That is incredible. And talk about some consistency. That's the kind of guy. I guarantee you that if myself or Doug or Brian or any of you guys that are watching or listening to this podcast have this dude on your team or a guy like this, fill in the blank kind of name, and you have him on your team, you're like, this guy's going to lead me to a pro championship. Then he gets onto your pro roster and he doesn't do squat. <laughs> right. Unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. Yep. So uh, anything else you guys want to talk about about what's on this list? Otherwise, we'll go to some of the uh, we'll go to some some of the, fo- the, the wrap-up questions that we have. Yeah, let's go straight to let's the wrap-up questions. All right. So, uh, BMAC, we're going to go to you first. Um, looking at the list, what stands out to you? We've kind of already covered some of these, but let's just make sure a that we – A little bit, uh, a little bit. So, I, I've got a couple others that I didn't cover there in the in the opening. But, you know, Travis McGriff being on this list from the, the 1998 Gators, that was surprising. I knew he was really good, and I watched every game. But uh, I didn't realize in terms of fantasy – he was putting up over 20 a game. Jeff Samarja was surprising to see. Like, I remember him being good at Notre Dame, uh, but his 2005 season makes the list. And then Sterling Sharp, um, obviously great NFL player, uh, incredible talent, but his 1986 season for South Carolina was better than Jalen Hyatt's season was this year uh, as a tight end. So, um, wait, is that right? Tight end or receiver? Sterling Sharp, was his brother the tight end or he was the tight end? I can't remember. Sterling Sharp was a receiver. Shannon Sharp was the tight end. Shannon Sharp was the tight end. Okay, so anyways, receiver for South Carolina. 1,110, better than Jalen Hyatt again this year. And then the other thing that's uh, surprising, as you just think about the list in the draft this year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Coming in at number 224 is not surprising. He had an incredible season. But from the perspective of this past year in the NFL where Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, two of the standout rookie receivers, were also healthy and on that team. Um, And both have recently been quoted as saying JSN's better than them. Um, That's going to be super incredible if if, uh, you can trade for him. Do it. I would if uh, if Uncle Joe didn't have him. I'd, I'd try and make a trade for him. For me, you know, we touched on it earlier. Um, as opposed to the quarterback and running backs list, where you're looking at you know future NFL Hall of Famers or, or actual NFL Hall of Famers, you look at the top ten list, and there's literally one guy in the top ten, Devontae Smith, 
that um, that is really anything in the pros. If you take out those two Nevada guys, uh, you could you could squeeze your way down to Randy Moss and Devontae Adams as well. But um, in quarterbacks and running backs, you're talking about guys that everybody knows. And wide receivers, um, you know, it's a completely different story. Um, I still think that, um, again, Jarrah Stearns at number 27, uh, he's the top guy from the 2021 season, uh, came in at number 27. And he's a guy that I guarantee you, you ask anybody that does pro fantasy football, they've never even heard of his name. Never even heard his name. And the guy had an absolutely incredible video game season uh, just one year ago in college. Um, what about you, Doug? What was uh, what was surprising uh, for you on the list or players on the list? So, like I mentioned before, something surprising to me, honestly, was so many players that I've never heard of. And, I mean, I guess not too surprising because there's so many receivers in college football. Um, one of the biggest surprises to me is – somebody that's not on the list, honestly, a, a guy who I loved watching play, you know, growing up was like a player like Tim Brown who played at Notre Dame. His best season was 900 yards receiving and five touchdowns at Notre Dame. Like, <laughs> and then we see what wow. he did. We see what he did in the pros. Like he was virtually a guy that you couldn't cover. And th- so to me, it's more surprising as like a player like that, who's not on the list, who, had an amazing NFL career as opposed to, like we said, people at like number one on this list who were good, you know, amazing in college and did nothing in the pros. So that's, I guess, what's surprising to me about the list is the guys that are not on this. Yeah, that's that's always one of those things, too, is right fit at the right place. You think about recruiting, you think about, yeah, draft. Um, and now you think about the transfer portal. Like, what if Joe Burrow never transferred? to LSU and, and what if LSU didn't get the, the offensive um, or quarterback coach there to kind of match uh, and, and make that magical season with uh, mm-hmm. Chase and Jefferson and all them. Like there's a lot of, of what ifs and it's crazy to think about it in terms of you just got to get fortunate to get in the, in the right offense. Um, and yep. you got to be smart enough coming out of high school, with everyone trying to get you to pick the best offense where you're going to get playing time where you're going to get coached up right and all that stuff. Super interesting. So, so favorite players on the list um, from back in the day, for me, obviously, Randy Moss, Devontae Adams, and then being NC State guy, Torrey Holt. Love seeing uh, Torrey Holt get on the list. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, what about you, Doug? We'll go to you first. Uh, I've got Torrey Holt on the list as well. Um, again, I'm kind of new to the to the college scene, newer, but I just remember watching him in his Rams days and – he was an incredible receiver in the pros, and I loved watching that offense. Um, Percy Harvin was super exciting for me, uh, being a being a Gator fan. I felt like there was nothing that guy couldn't do on the football field. Um, yep. You know him, and you know even the the Demps days, having two of the fastest players I've ever seen in my life in that offense. It was fun yeah. to watch. But then yeah. um, one that you know I've I've got on there that. A lot of people probably know, but kind of I feel like he's forgotten about I, Jordy Nelson. I was a huge fan of Jordy Nelson. I felt like he was one of the first guys, in my opinion, um, that showed how important somebody's hands can be as a receiver. Like I just felt like his hands were they were glue. I loved watching him play. So Jordy Nelson was probably one of my all time favorite receivers to watch. Yeah, for me, it's like just growing up, you know, in the in the 90s, 
uh, as a Gators fan living in Central Florida. Um, those years were just incredible. But the the combination of Florida receivers that made the list was still kind of surprising to me because you think about how much the passing game in college football has changed since the 90s and how much more teams on average pass it. But still, Riddell Anthony, I Kill Your, Jacquez Green all made the list from that, you know, Werfel offense. And then a um, uh, couple of – Rex Grossman's best receivers made the list. Jabbar Gaffney, Rache Caldwell. And then, of course, yeah, Percy, too. Um, was uh, He's one of my favorite players of all time and the way he was used in that offense because this, this list does count your rushing stats, too, obviously. Um, and Percy has uh, his two best seasons uh, made the top 500 all time. All right, so... Uh favorite players you owned on the list Doug who's some of your favorite players that, that are that you owned that are on here well I don't have many um <laughs> so um I got this guy recently in a trade with BMAC um Alan Robinson um he's he's been a favorite I wish he's I wish he was somebody that the Jags would bring back to be honest um but he was he was one of my favorites on my fantasy team, and then of course, arguably the best receiver in the pros right now. I've got Justin Jefferson, um, so he's just one that you know I can't. He's kind of like your guys, your Devontes, Matt, like somebody that might go down in my Hall of Fame. You know, I've gotten some pretty, you know, for lack of a better term ding-dong trade offers for this guy and i don't think that he's ever going to go away unless unless somebody offers me top tier talent tier talent you know what i mean so um but he's probably one that's gonna retire with me to be honest yeah so so, so that means that yeah that needs to be our our name somebody offers a ridiculous trade it's the ding-dong <laughs> trade offer oh make an award out of it i like this um i'm doing it <laughs> so of the top 100 guys, there were seven of them that I've had on my fantasy team. So that's just who I listed here. My favorite guys, uh, or guy on the list, obviously, I mentioned Percy Harvin, who I had. He was like, uh, when we started the league, he was my second round pick. I remember I took Stafford, he was a freshman, and then Harvin, he was a freshman. I believe that's that's how the first two rounds of our original draft went. Um, but yeah, Randy Moss... Um, who I didn't have in, in our CFB league, but I had him a lot in the NFL. Tavon Austin, Jamar Chase, Corey Coleman, Amari Cooper, uh, Percy and Corey Davis all made the top 100 and uh, killed it for me. Loved it. Yeah, so I had Josh Doxson, uh, Jonathan Adams, who on this list is at 102, but he probably would sneak up there with, with a recount uh, into the top 100. <laughs> Obviously, we've already talked about the, the, the double Devontae uh, situation with Smith and Adams. Um, and there was a lot of guys in the in the, in the mids, uh, like Josh, like I said, Josh Doxson was a 32. Uh, Torrey Holt is somebody that obviously never had him in, in a college fantasy situation because he was prior to college fantasy even existing. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, 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 for me, a lot of the guys are wide receivers are probably going to hit in the 200 to 300 range because I've got guys that did great in college and just never never amounted to much past there. Um, so, uh, BMAC, you got a question you wanted to ask. You want to pose these questions every, every single one of these podcasts. 
what's your question, your one-on-one question you got for this one? All right. All right. So if you had to get one player to go one-on-one with Deion Sanders, whether it's a game or a play with your life on the line, who you got? This is college Deion and college receiver. I would go with Devontae Adams at his prime at Fresno State as my top guy. But I would also have Jamar Chase for his one year at LSU because I feel like Jamar Chase is just such an incredibly strong receiver and he was so insane in that year. But I don't think I could go wrong with either one of those guys. It'd be a coin flip for Devontae or Jamar. And part of my part of my um my my thought process there is I wasn't gonna pick a guy that was short because you didn't want to go picking somebody that was going to have to out jump and already have a, a height disadvantage. I wanted somebody that was tall and strong like Devontae and Jamar Chase. Yeah, it was. And you, if you haven't seen Dion at FSU, um, he was incredible. We that was our first TikTok that we posted not too long ago. I think this was like mm-hmm. right around the Super Bowl, maybe, uh, as we haven't had that account for very long. And it's a short on our YouTube channel, too, which. If you are hanging out with us right now and this far into the pod and you haven't subscribed, please do it. It doesn't really uh, affect you at all. And then grab your mom's phone and do the same thing. Um, but yeah, for me, for me, it's Randy Moss. Like it, it was a no brainer. Like I'm going to, I'm going to ride with uh, the guy who is, <coughs> he's definitely one of the fastest and one of the best jumpers and best hands combination, like one on one. I'll go with Moss on anybody, even though it's Dion who's freaking elite. What about so you, for me? Um, I've got the Justin Blackman in college. Um, like I said, what? he he was super built, super strong, um, hard to cover really by by anybody. And even when he played in the pros, man, when he played, he looked great. Um, but because the controversy, I'm going another controversial pick here as my second. And I'm going Percy Harvin. He was so shifty. Good luck covering the guy. That's all I can say. I know Dion was great, but I don't think Dion had to play against a guy like that. So, um, you know what I mean? I'm going, but my main guy, I'm going Justin Blackman just because I like, you know, you know, the, the body style of a receiver like that, you know, it just kind of reminds me of an AJ Brown nowadays, a DK Metcalf, just super strong, you know, challenge me for the ball. I'm going to get it is basically how I look at that. Yep. All right. So that is our look at the top 500 and the top 25 wide receiver seasons of all time. Uh, But we want to know what you guys think. We want you guys to go to the discord channel, look for CFB dynasty. Let us know your thoughts, the things that stand out to you, uh, the things that you think maybe we might have overlooked, go become a part of the CFB Dynasty uh, um, uh, group that's there. We also want you to like and subscribe to CFBDynasty.com and um, be able to get this information at your disposal so that way you can get a leg up on your league when uh, when your season comes around. So before we head on out today, uh, BMAC, do you have any news and notes about the CFB Dynasty website, updates that you've done to the site that you want to make sure people know about? Yeah, we haven't published um, them like in the Discord yet. We have, and we we probably will like shortly. And we haven't published them on social in a while, but they've been live and available for you guys. So it's basically our, uh, for lack of a better term, our teaser rankings. Um, basically, it's not enough to draft off of, but um, they're they're our top twenty-five at each position for 
quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers are live for your standard CFF league. And then if you're in like a Devi or Dynasty League, we've got quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends all up to date. And then just below that under the rankings tab would be these all-time greats that we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, go on there. Check it out. Um, let me know what you think, who you think we missed, if you think uh, – <clears throat> we have someone too high, too low, that kind of stuff. It's uh, always fun to chat about kind of going into, you know, spring practice where we'll get some spring games and some good notes about some players that are that are really showing out in practice. Also with uh, CFB, if I can add to guys, you know, can't stress enough, su subscribe to all the channels because, you know, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff, because we're going to get pretty heavy into some fun social posts pretty soon and uh Maybe. it's going to be really exciting for us to look at oh we'll get pretty heavy into them so it's going to be it's going to be some fun stuff to look at you know some videos to watch maybe players that bring back your childhood things like that so definitely subscribe to all the channels because we're we're going to try to push some social stuff here pretty soon all right, so our next show's upcoming. We're going to be talking about the next man up, the best of 2023. And I, I can tell you right now, there's a, a lot of them that, that were incredible guys that were not really on the radar at the beginning of the season. Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Um, I can tell you there's a guy that's in the top five um, going into the draft this year, ranked in the top five receivers that was not really on the radar at the beginning of the season but he is a top five wide receiver candidate into the NFL draft this year. So I think those are going to be some great shows next man up QB running back wide receiver. Uh, BMAC, you got anything you want to add any teasers you want to add about that to get people psyched up and, and ready for those shows when we get to them. I think Kayshawn booty who is supposed to be a top five receiver. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, no, go check uh, it out and uh, let's, let's, uh, let's chat about it. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into the next man up. It's going to be fun. Some of the stuff, um, you know, it's just going to be news as it comes out. Like you got Devin Brown versus Kyle McCord at Ohio state. Who's going to the fill the shoes of uh, CJ Stroud and uh, who's going to fill the shoes of Bryce Young. Like there's some massive, massive positions that not only will they change the, the landscape of, of college fantasy, but college football in general, like, are, are you going to roll with all of these guys from these big schools? Are they going to have a, a new guy take over and take their team to the playoff, or we have a, a total shakeup this year. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. For, for, the, for the record, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Last mm -hmm. year started off yeah. the season, was not somebody that was uh, was really in the list. And then you have uh, you have Tillman go down with an injury. Jalen Hyatt was the next man up in 2022. He's not ranked as a top five wide receiver going into the NFL draft. So uh, these next man up lists, um, obviously we're talking about guys that have, have graduated or left the team or have transferred. Um, these next man up lists are huge. You've, you've got to make the right decision. If you, uh, if you were somebody that thought you were going to get the next man up as a wide receiver at, uh, at Alabama last year in 2022, you probably were not happy with your squad. So uh, hopefully we can You're help right. you to find that next I man up. In, in I know one of those guys. Yeah, yeah I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I would tell you, last year was the first time I haven't had a, an Alabama wide receiver in a while, and I fortunately was happy about that. <laughs> yep. Me too, because I listened to the other people complain about it, and it made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with that being said, this is the end of this podcast. On behalf of Doug Gravely 
and BMAC Brian McCuffers. My name is Matt Knowles. We thank you guys. Don't forget to go like, subscribe to all the different channels, TikTok, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, anywhere you can, YouTube, at CFE Dynasty, at CFE Dynasty underscore. We thank you for listening. We, can't, we really appreciate you guys being a part of this community. This is CFBDynasty.com. See ya. See you guys.